You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, it is. Off and running on this Tuesday, October 13th. Good morning. Welcome in. For all you people who always tell me you love the fall, welcome to fall. It's 50 degrees and raining every day. And and pretty soon, I don't know, when is the weekend where we uh, set the clocks ahead or back or whatever we do when it's like dark at like 3.30 in the afternoon? That's always a fun time, isn't it? Hey, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. A whole bunch on the plate for this uh, Tuesday edition. And, of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am uh, on the Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question. We'll get that uh, rolling in a little bit. And a reminder... We're taking our final submissions. Regal Tumble starts uh, tentatively scheduled to start on Monday. We'll see if we can get everything uh, worked out. Uh, no, it's going to start on Monday. So if you want, if you have a suggestion for greatest TV show of all time, any genre, any format, you can tweet me. Use the hashtag Regal Tumble so uh, that we actually find it. And uh, the fun, the festivities will uh, start on Monday. Uh, you know, I've been joking since the Yankees season ended, about what stage of sports grief you find yourself in, right? Like anger. I'm still in anger. I got to be honest. Uh, Anger and depression are the general ones I find myself flip-flopping between. Uh, You know, denial is one of them. And hopefully at some point you get to acceptance. And I will say this. I feel like if the Rays end up winning in five games against the Astros, and then go on to the World Series, I feel like that will help me get to acceptance a lot quicker, right? Like, I know that a lot of people, you know, everybody's had their take on the Yankee season and what went wrong, where the Yankees actually stack up, they're not as good as they think they are, all these type of things. For all the people that are out there saying, you know, the Yankees are still the better team, I don't know what you're basing that on. Now, look, I'm still angry, and I feel like they should have won that series. But to simply just put out a blanket statement, oh, the Yankees are still the better team, they're the more talented team, I think. But to say that they're the better team is just uh, incorrect. Uh, You you really can't base that on any real metric outside of just how you feel inside. And your feelings are not actually facts. The Rays were the better team head-to-head during the regular season. They were the better team head-to-head in the playoffs. And they were the best team in the American League this year. Now, it was a weird year. I get that. It's only 60 games. But to just simply go out there and say, no, the Yankees were still the best team, I don't know. I think that uh, that's kind of being unfair. So we've had all these uh, conversations, and I started on Saturday about you know anger, depression, denial, all these different things. Yesterday, yesterday was a very big day for the bargaining crowd. And what sports bargaining looks like, the Yan- and this is especially true when the Yankee season ends, probably more so true for them than anyone else. When the Yankee season ends, yes, there is anger. Yes, there is uh, depression. But it very quickly moves on to what they got to do is they got to go get this guy. They got to sign this guy. They got to trade for that guy. We got to go get Trevor Bauer. You got to go trade for Francisco Lindor. I want JT Real Muto on the next plane. I was listening to the K show yesterday. One person suggested they needed to trade Giancarlo Stanton and make Severino the closer. So that a lot of people are in the sports bargaining, the Yankee bargaining phase, which is usually 
it's just a j if you're looking for it on a map it's usually just adjacent to a delusion the delusion is right there in the center and then the yankee bargaining phase is uh, right right next to it right next door they're they're they might be rivals but they're they're really close together so and today i should let you know the k show will have hal steinbrenner on so lots of big questions for the yankee owner and i think you would like to see a little bit of not just acceptable frustration, right? Like, I'm sure Hal will come out and say all the right things. It's an incredible disappointment. We need to win. You know, all the right cliches. But I think there's real questions about what the payroll is going to look like. Is there going to be a reduction based on uh, the events of COVID and everything else? So uh, we shall see. But Hal Steinbrenner will be on with the K Show at 4 o'clock today. So... The Yankees fans are, you know, as I said, they're in the bargaining phase. But they're also, anytime the Yankees lose, it becomes this hysterical thing, right? The Yankees lose the Rays. And what's the general, maybe you haven't heard this, but I have heard this repeatedly since it ended. The Yankees have to be more like Tampa. Look how the Rays were able to do more with less. The Yankees have all these big money guys, blah, blah, blah. You have to go fix it. Yeah, you have to be more like them. But then as soon as they say they they have to fix it, they're also the same people screaming for JT Real Muto and Francisco Lindor and Trevor Bauer and all the... If the Yankees approach things like the Rays have to approach... It's not like they're doing it voluntarily. They have to do it that way because of their payroll limitations. If the Yankees approach things like the Rays did, you would riot. If they scaled back payroll at all, never mind as significantly as they would need to... You would riot. Stop pretending as if you wouldn't. But yeah, look, the Yankee offseason always has surprises. I'm sure there will be trades and signings. And I think that Cashman actually does his best work where you don't hear anything and it's those under the radar type moves. And now maybe because of the, the, the payroll restrictions or the payroll limitations, they might be forced to do that. I will say this I'll go on a record right now. I will be absolutely stunned if the Yankees go sign Trevor Bauer. Now, I was a Bauer guy. I wanted them when he was on the block the last time. I don't see that being a match. I don't see that being a match personality-wise with Cashman. Yeah, obviously, you have the the Trevor Bauer and uh, Garrett Cole dynamic there with everything he's been on the, the record as saying about the, the Astros and the cheating and all that type of stuff. And I'm... This is not one that usually uh, would factor into my decision, but I don't think that his personality necessarily would work in New York either. Now, I like Bauer as a pitcher, and I could understand why teams obviously would have interest. And the pitching question I have is since everyone always also only played 60 games this year, and some guys significantly less than that, I would the, the question I'd have for Cashman is, is that, going to necess- is that going to impact things and necessitate an innings limit for guys next year? Like Clark Schmidt, right? He's a young guy who's up and coming, and he basically didn't pitch at all this year. And usually they don't like guys to have a huge jump in innings from one year to the next. Now, I'm sure he's, he's still throwing. He's not just sitting uh, collecting dust. But the fact that he did not pitch in any game, how does that impact his development? Or, or Davey Garcia, right? You usually don't want that huge jump. I do think the Yankees need another ace-level starter. Now, that's not, the, that's not been the issue in the playoffs, as we mention all the time. It's about the offense, the offense, the offense. But if you can't improve the offense, and I, I just don't see areas where you're going to be able to improve it that significantly, 
then I think you have to, rather than scoring runs, it has to be about preventing runs. Now, Bowers had two excellent seasons and then a bunch of league average years. And his analytical approach, you would think, would seem to mesh kind of with what the Yankees seem to have as well. But I just don't see personality-wise and what it would cost and, and what it would take to get him. I don't see that being uh, something that is going to 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 strike. I, I, look, there's, there's surprises every offseason. And at this point last year, while we were all screaming about going getting Garrett Cole, it didn't seem like it was a, it was a done deal at that point. So we'll see what happens with the Yankees offseason. It's always interesting. I'm sure it'll be interesting this year as well. And I'm sure there'll be some moves that we don't anticipate right now that will be made, and, and we'll see how those things plan, pan out. But I don't, I don't think that uh, Trevor Bauer is one of those moves. Now, just back to the Rays for a second. Because I keep hearing, this is another thing that's just driving me insane. It's driving me insane how people, it, it's like, it's, it, it's like a, there's a crime taking place. And there are people standing there witnessing the crime. One guy is robbing another guy. Guy, let's say Tom, is robbing Steve. But people are witnessing the crime, and for some reason they're blaming Steve. When it's clear what's going on. It's clear what is happening, and they just they don't like Steve. So they keep blaming it on Steve for some reason. For all the people who keep talking about, well, you know, the Yankees have to do, other teams have to be like the Rays, they manufacture run. They don't manufacture. What are you talking about? The Rays have won the two games of the ALCS. And they've done so because they've hit home runs. Mike Zanino yesterday hit a home run. Margot hit a home run. They're not, uh, well, uh, Zanino has power. But Margot is not a, a home run threat or has not been in his career before. But they're hitting home runs and they're winning games. In that series, for all the people, well, you know, you have to do it this way or that way. The Rays have been out hit in that series. The Rays have also struck out twice as many times as the Astros. They're winning because when they get an opportunity, when they get pitches to do damage with, they're doing damage. They're hitting home runs. This is not about small ball. This is not about manufacturing runs. You can feel however you want, but just know the facts don't bear that out. And we know that because we don't have to go back in history. We don't have to hop on Google. We can look and watch the games that are taking place right now. They didn't take place six weeks ago. They didn't play, take place two years ago. They're, ta- they're taking place right now. And as for Zanino, who you know had a big hit, big hits against the Yankees, and had another big hit yesterday, I keep I keep seeing people say, "Well, you know, man, it's like this envy. Why can't the Yankees have a guy like that?" Well, offensively, actually, the Yankees do have a guy like that. It's Gary Sanchez. Go look at Zanino's numbers this year; they are almost identical to Gary Sanchez. Zanino had an OPS plus. OPS plus, league average is 100. Zanino this year, offensively, OPS plus of plus 65. So that's well below average. Sanchez's OPS plus was plus 69. Almost identical. His slash line, 147, 238, 360. Sanchez, 147, 253, 365. So just slightly better. I feel like I'm living in crazy town when I see people. 
all credit to the Rays. And I am coming around to the fact that, you know what, obviously, the way you judge teams is not based on the names or based on the product. You base it on who wins the games. That's how we determine the best teams. Now, you can still think one team is more talented than the other or a team should have won. But the way we determine these things is based on how you play the games. And the Rays played the games slightly better than the Yankees did. And for all the screams and yells about the Yankees pitching, well, despite all the issues with the Yankees pitching and the dopey game two thing and all that type of stuff, the pitching allowed, how many runs? They, 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 the Rays scored one run in game four and scored two runs in game five. So over the final uh, 17 innings, they scored three runs. Or 18 innings, excuse me. They, 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 they scored three runs. It's not like they had some sort of juggernaut. But the way they scored runs was not getting a guy on, bunting him over, stealing third, and then a sacrifice fly. That's not the way it happened. They're hitting home runs. That's the way you score runs in the postseason. You might not like it, but that's, that's the facts. The other thing that I keep hearing, I think he's got to get more guys like DJ LeMahieu. <laughs> well, you have struck gold there, my friend. Call up Cashman. Brian, do we have a number for Cashman? Tell him, to, the guy who actually found DJ LeMahieu and signed DJ, the Yankees just got to find more guys like DJ LeMahieu. Well, where are we keeping those guys? Are they in the back? You ever go to a store and they don't have it out front? You ask them, do you have it in the back? Does Major League Baseball have any more DJ LeMahieu's in the back? Because that would be sensational. I think you've struck gold there. I think you've nailed it. Just fine. More guys like DJ LeMahieu. Well, that will be fantastic. We should be. Did we? The the parade route is already planned, right? They just use the same one for all. The, I know they haven't won in a while, but I think that they can start planning the parade route. Start blowing up the balloons with helium. Get all the ticker tape out there because all you have to do is find more guys like DJ LeMahieu. Whew! That's a load off my mind. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So our poll question for today, up on Twitter momentarily, uh, what is more depressing for New York sports, the Yankees season being over or the Jets and Giants season still going? I feel like I'm living in a crazy, I'm, I'm taking crazy pills or something. The things I hear all day long, I'm looking at it, I'm like, does anybody else? LeBron James talking about how you have to give him some respect. While he's holding the trophy for the Finals MVP, I, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think he, I think he kind of gets respect. But the Yankees have to go out and sign more guys like DJ LeMahieu. Well, that is a don't say that out loud. That's the super secret plan. If you let people know, they might try to sign all these DJ LeMahieu clones. It's like when they, the Yankees had Paul O'Neill. You know, the Yankees need more guys like Paul O'Neill. All right, well, are there more Paul O'Neills? Can we fuck? Where are these Paul O'Neills? So then, uh, Adam Schefter, and this is nothing against Adam Schefter, but this is what, I don't even know where he said this, but this is what Adam Schefter said someplace on planet Earth. There are questions about what the Jets would do if they finished with the number one pick. What would happen to Sam Darnold? Well, the Cardinals were just in that spot with Josh Rosen. They wound up trading Josh Rosen for a two and a five to draft Kyler Murray. And there are GMs around the league who believe that if the Jets were in that spot, they would go ahead and draft Trevor Lawrence. And they believe that they would be able to get back for Sam Darnold a second round pick, maybe a one depending on the situation. 
Okay, so there's Adam Schefter. He's obviously speaking on SportsCenter there about the Jets. If they get the number one pick, would they take Trevor Lawrence? Wow, look, the Jets, they do throw a wrinkle into it because they're the Jets. Any team who has the number one pick this year, basically, will take Trevor Lawrence. If it's the Jets, if it's the Giants, if it's the, the Falcons, if they get the number one pick, they would take Trevor Lawrence. If it's the Washington football team, they would take Trevor Lawrence. The Jaguars, um, just about any team. Probably, you know what, the first, the first bad team that you would say on the list that probably wouldn't is uh, the Bengals. The Bengals would not because they just took Joe Burrow, so they, and they seem pretty happy with that. But the, the Broncos, the Lions, the, the, the Vikings are 1-4. If the Cowboys, if the Cowboys somehow, against all odds, ended up with the first overall pick, they would take Trevor Lawrence. The, Char- the Chargers, put in, I mean, the Eagles, just about any team. Unless you took a quarterback in the last year and he's already shown you, yeah, this guy looks like he's the real deal. Herbert looks like he's the real deal. Joe Burrow looks like he's the real deal. So if those teams ended up with the number one pick, they would not take Trevor Lawrence. But basically anybody who winds up in that spot is going to take Trevor Lawrence. All right, one 800 919 espn one 800 919 Let's get into the, the, the jet stuff here before we go to the calls because it's, uh, that's another one that's kind of driving me nuts. So you have the situation. Jets lose on uh, Sunday. Uh, and then after the game, Livion Bell goes out and is acting like a 12-year-old and uh, is liking tweets. Boy, has there ever been a move that has been a bigger disaster from jump, from like day one, than the Jets signing Livion Bell? I mean, you would be hard-pressed, even if you were trying to concoct a move that was as bad as it possibly could be from day one, it would be hard to do. I mean, as soon as he got here, it was known the coach did not want him. He got paid all this money. They sunk all this money into a running back. Boy, whoever thought that wouldn't work. So then Sunday happens. Jets lose because that's what happens on Sundays. Bell was not happy with his usage, so he went on Twitter and just started liking tweets. I mean, are you a grown man? Is that what a grown man does? I'm going to start liking these tweets. That'll show them. And, of course, this is not the first time he had the thing with the hamstring issue. And people are painting it like, well, who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? Is, is Livion Bell in the right? Is, uh, is Adam Gase? Well, no, nobody's defending Adam Gase. Although, if you had to pick a side in this, I guess slight, ever so slight, just like my little pinky toe on the side of, uh, of Adam Gase. Because, obviously, Livion Bell should be getting used more. It's Gase's job to take the talented players that he has, and you can cry, oh, we don't have that many talented. Figure out a way to maximize their abilities. So I get why Bell is frustrated. That said, Bell is clearly not the same player he was, and it's pretty clear he stopped caring, if he ever did, about this organization. So when you get paid all that money, you're kind of expected, it's kind of part of the deal, that you're supposed to be a leader. And I'm sorry, I don't care how you try to spin it because you hate Adam Gase. It's not a sign of a leader to go and voice your frustrations by liking tweets. I mean, again, what's next? You're going to post your feelings on TikTok? Uh, Come on. It's ridiculous. So we can all hate Adam Gase, and he kind of brings this on himself because he has such a lack of leadership. He has such a lack. 
everything is everybody else's fault. Everything else, I didn't know about it. Oh, we fired Mike McCagden? News to me. Everything. It's, it's ridiculous. So I get that he kind of brings this on himself, but that doesn't excuse Bell for acting like a jerk. You know, you find out of people, you find out about people when times are tough. <laughs> and it's kind of hard, you know, in a sports sense, it's kind of hard for it to be any tougher than it's been with the Jets so far. So uh, if I had to say, you know, what side am I on? I'm on neither side. I don't like either side. And it's pretty clear that after this season, you're going to have to, le- you're going to cl- clear house, right? Uh, Gase is out of here. Bell will be out of here. Get rid of both. Neither is the answer, basically. I like when people are like, well, you know, the Jets just have to try to trade him. <laughs> trade him. Nobody wanted to sign him to a contract like that to begin with, except you. So who who exactly are we are we all of a sudden creating a team that might be willing to move to take that contract? Also, is it like when you talk about the guys that were held back by Adam Gase, is it already clear that Robbie Anderson is going to be number two on that list? Right? Like you have the list of guys, Devontae Parker. Tannehill, Drake, Geisicki, Landry to a certain degree. I think you'd still have to say Tannehill because he's the quarterback. But Anderson has to be like number two. Do you realize? Like, I know people know that Robbie Anderson had a, has had a good start to the year. Do you realize he's on pace? I know it's on pace through five games. He's on pace for 115 catches and 1,500 yards this year. That, that's pretty good. That's that's pretty good. So I think it, that if he does come anywhere close, like if he comes close to like 100 catches and 1,500 yards, I think you have to put him number two on the list. It's a long list. There's a lot of guys on it. We might have to go with like a, an NCAA-style bracket, 64. All right, let's get some calls. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Because I'm living in crazy land. That's, uh, apparently, I'm living in crazy land. So let's get some calls in. Let's go to uh, first up. Neil is in the Bronx. Neil, what's going on, my man? Hey, good morning, Gordon. Um, I was hearing your comment. Instead of the Yankees going out shopping for big name players and wasting all this ridiculous money, should they focus more within themselves and look into their farm team for for you know some of them young prospects they have? They might get lucky and find the next Jeter or the next Posada or the next Mariano. Well, I mean, look, the, the, the Yankees have a. Pr- I don't know where the Yankees' farm system ranks in terms of overall depth, but they will almost certainly be filling out the rotation with some guys. That's why I think it's important to to go out and get. If you're not going to improve the offense, that would be my first choice. But if if there's not an available deal to be made there, I do think that you have to find someone who can be that second starter who you know you can count on because almost certainly next year. You're going to have guys in the rotation like Davey Garcia, like Clark Schmidt, like Jordan Montgomery. So the Yankees, I mean, under Cashman, they have done a a fine job of kind of supplementing the team with guys from the farm system, and I'm sure that that will continue. And and look, maybe uh, in terms of the bullpen, Yankees are going to have to kind of revamp that bullpen as well. So uh, Johnny Lasagna might be a guy out there. You know, there's a bunch of young arms that they have, and it seems like they're able to find these guys – with some regularity, they're going to have to because I think that payroll restrictions are going to be such that if you do sign DJ LeMahieu or re-sign DJ LeMahieu, it's mm-hmm. going to hamstring you in some other areas. So, uh, look, they've done a good job with with guys with not not maybe as good as other teams, clearly, and with the the amount of resources they have, they should be doing it as bad, as well as anybody. But I, I do think that they have done an okay job with that. 
All right, Gordy. Thank you. All right, all right. Thank you. One eight hundred. I'm about bringing people together. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the phone number. Let's go to uh, Greg is in East Meadow. Greg, what's going on? Good morning, Gordon. Uh, you know, these people with the small ball and all of this nonsense, you don't win. I, listen, I've been watching baseball, and I'm not going to say because I'm 57 years old, I've been watching baseball 57 years. I've been watching baseball reasonably knowledgeable for, say, 45 of those years. So, um, listen, as far back as I can remember, it's the home, home runs win you pennants, they win you championships. Purportedly, you're facing the better pitching at the you know the deeper you go into the playoffs. Hits are hard to come by. The ones you get are going to be home runs because you know good pitches have a tendency to challenge you, and you're going to make hay when you hit the occasional home run. It's when you hit the home runs, and the Yankee failure is is that they don't seem to come up clutch. There are other teams for for, for whatever reason. Guys seem to be stepping up in you know more in those spots. The Yankees are failing in those spots, so that's a very very difficult thing to fix. And I don't know what the fix is, but yeah, there are exceptions to every rule. You could point to certain teams and say, well, they weren't a heavy home run hitting team, but even those teams in the playoffs hit home runs. So this goes way back. It's not modern baseball. The home run wins. It'll always win. It's just the way things work. And please, <laughs> these Jets. Yeah, let's get Dell and let's let Anderson walk. Those were two brilliant moves, and who didn't see that coming? <laughs> right. Yeah, especially the Bell one. I mean, the Bell one, look, they needed to add talent places because they just, uh, I mean, we were having a conversation the year before, you know, are the Jets tanking because they weren't going out and, and, and adding any talent whatsoever. And uh, the, 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 the signing of Bell, uh, everyone kind of saw that as this is, at some point this is going to be bad, we just kind of you kind of hoped if you were a Jet fan that it wasn't going to be as bad as it was because it was as bad as it was almost immediately. And uh, Gordon, I see you got the TV thing coming up. You know, I know I'm not sure what your demographic is, but I it it's something that belongs on your list. I hope at least Mash is on that list. Well, you know what, Greg? That's the beauty of the Regal Tumble, and thanks for the call, Greg. We uh, you, we we will be we will be surprised every single day. Now, the format of the Regal Tumble is much like that. You might say it kind of lends itself to the uh, Royal Rumble. Now, if you're not aware of the Royal Rumble, the WWE uh, tournament that they have, they start out with two guys in the ring, and then every five minutes, another wrestler is is brought into the ring. So, for our format, the Regal Tumble format, we will start out with four shows the first day. And then based on the voting, whoever's the lowest vote total, they will get the boot. They will be out. And then the next day, a new show. And we don't know what shows are. Well, I will because I'll be drawing the numbers. But it'll be a surprise to the audience every single day. So we're not going to let you know what shows made it, what shows didn't make it. You'll have to kind of check in and find out every single day. And I'm thinking about, I haven't decided for sure yet. I'm, I'm thinking about allowing Brian, producer Brian, to have a vehicle where at some point he is allowed to decide to kick out two shows. Ooh. That would be a, a little wrinkle, right? Sometimes in the Royal Rumble, two guys get eliminated over the top rope at a time. Yeah, especially if so, it's a big guy. <laughs> right. So that, that might be something that we, uh, that we allow. Because the show, we have, I would say, probably about 60 shows. Now, I might pare that down some because there's some shows in there that people have suggested. It's not whether or not it's a good show. It's whether it's the best show of all time. Can you make any conceivable argument for it being 
the best show of all time. And I'm very open-minded to that. But there's some shows that if I don't know what network it aired on, that's a sign that that, that, that probably shouldn't be included. So we'll see. We might have a field of about 60, 65. So if, that, if it's a bigger field, Brian might have a little little thing in his back pocket that he can knock out a couple of shows at one time. Now, he's not allowed to abuse it because no. that will kind of ruin the fun. But we'll see. Messina sets at the letters. The 2-2 is hit shortly past the diving Tino and down the right field line. That'll go into the corner. Rounding third is Giambi. Spencer Fields fires into Martinez. They go into San Giambi. Here's the play at the plate. He is out! Oh, he is out! What a play by Derek Jeter. The ball got past Martinez, the throw from Spencer, and Jeter was backing up, fielded, and backhanded to Posada, who made a swipe tag. That's about as good a play as you'll ever see. Bang. I mean, what a call by Michael. Courtesy of WABC Radio. That's where the uh, Yankee games were back then. That is on the ball, in the moment, no stumbles, perfectly described. And, of course, today is the anniversary of the flip play, the Derek Jeter flip play. So uh, that's your moment of inspiration. And our poll question today, you need a little inspiration, right? Because uh, the poll question today, what's more depressing for New York sports, the Yankees season being over or the Jets and Giants season still going? And they're not even halfway done. I would say, obviously, the Yankee season being over. That was at least something to uh, look forward to every single night, the Jets and Giants games. Uh, I mean, do you really look forward to them? Although I did discover, as I mentioned yesterday, Jet games, if, you're, if you, if you uh, take a couple of adult beverages on a Saturday night, and, and maybe you overdo it a little bit, and then you are forced, not forced, but you get up and you're looking to watch an NFL game on a Sunday, Jets are the perfect team to watch. There's never any loud noises you know, nothing really big happens. If you need to shut your eyes for a little while, you can you can rest your eyes. And when you wake up and you, you reopen them, chances are things, at least for the Jets, are in exactly the same spot as they were when you close your eyes. So they're the perfect team. If, if the hangover ever wanted to endorse an NFL team, the Jets would be that team. So we focused on the Jets today. We focused on the Yankees a little bit this morning. And uh, the one thing about I've not focused on the Giants. Has an 0-5 team ever faced a must-win before? Has that ever happened? 0-5, right? At 0-5, even in the NFC East, you would think that the Giants are pretty much sunk. I mean, not sunk, but it doesn't seem like it's going well. So the Giants have kind of had this, like, wiggle room because of the other team in town, right? Like, at least the Giants are competitive in these games. Now, they're not able to win any of them, but they're at least competitive in these games. Sunday... They face off against the Washington football team. That's a must win. The Giants have to win that game. You lose that game and that wiggle room that we've kind of given Joe Judge and we've kind of given the team and, you know, look at this thing. You know, the Giants are kind of like this Rorschach test. Like you watch the games and it's kind of open to interpretation. Do you see the good things? Do you see the bad things? Well, if you go out and lose to Washington, who does already have a win, there's no, other, there's no other interpretation. You lose to Washington and the raw shack picture, it's not a butterfly. It's not this thing. It's not a tree. It's a big picture of poop. That's, I mean, there's no other way. You go to 0-6 with one of those losses being to Washington. You have to at some point win a game. You can give all the excuses in the world, and it's bad enough that in this year the one thing you wanted to see was progress for the quarterback, and there's been zero. There's been none. It's all the same. All the... 
in fact, he's regressed. At least last year, there were games where Daniel Jones, you're like, wow, look at that. Look at this pass. Look at that. Four touchdown passes. He's running here. He's running. There's no none of that progress. He's got two touchdown passes. It's week six. Come on. So that's the one bad thing already. But at least we've given them a little wiggle room because, ah, you know what, they don't have a lot of talent. We didn't expect that much going in. you got to win on Sunday. You don't win Sunday. I'm sorry, even at 0-5, that's a must-win game. Must-win game. All right, let's get some phone calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Mike is in uh, Freehold. Mike, what's going on, man? Buddy, first time call. Hey, hey man, buddy, thanks. first time call. Uh, I, I just don't understand how Adam Gase is still the coach now that he's going to give up you know, his offensive play calling. I thought he was such a guru. Well, I mean, we should maybe ask him, how does he feel uh, of, of giving up head coaching duties as well? <laughs> maybe maybe that's the way around it, right? Oh, you're not giving up, you're giving up the play calling. How about uh, giving up your presence in the building as well? Uh, I think for me, if I were a Jet fan, which I'm not, uh, I'm a Dolphin fan, so this season for me, at least watching Jet games, has been like sports porn. I would think that at this point, if I were a Jet fan, I would want Adam Gase to remain in place. The, the only thing I want to gain from this year would be the number one overall pick. And if you keep Adam Gase in place, I think you have a pretty good chance. I, I don't see anybody overtaking you as being as bad as you've been. It, it's almost like if you fire him, you let him off the hook. Let him be tortured the rest of the season like the rest of us. Because he yeah, wants to I give mean, up after each quarter. Yeah, and, and if you look, if you were trying to come up with a way to have a team be terrible, and Mike, thanks for the call, thanks for uh, you know first-time call and all that stuff, I think that the, the having Adam Gase as being the head coach, it, it's been pretty well documented that having Adam Gase run your offense is a way to have a terrible offense. I mean, I know that it's not 15 years and pretty much everything because it's only 16 games a season is a small sample size in NFL. I mean, every single year his offense has been terrible. The amount of guys who have prospered once he left – that might be the best thing. If you're a team out there right now, you should probably be looking to trade for Chris Herndon because once Chris Herndon gets to another team, he's going to be catching ball. He's going to be like Odell catching one-handed catches falling into the end zone and everything else. I mean, there's nothing to be there's nothing to savor from this year except to try to get the first overall pick. So if you were to get the first overall pick, I think that that would at least be something this year. And if you were trying to devise a way to do that, uh, to me, I feel like if you make a coaching change, that might the amount of it seems like hate that that the players have for Adam Gase, or at least disdain that they have for Adam Gase, openly like Livion Bell questioning things that the coach is doing. That might rally the team, and I think that that's the last thing you would want to have. Like the last thing you want to do is be two and fourteen and be picking fourth this year. I think that you want to just be zero and sixteen and get it out of the way and rip off the band-aid. Jerry's in Brooklyn. Jerry, go, my man. You, are, you are a funny man, Gordon. Thank you. You Jerry. know, I'm anxious to see where the Sopranos, Twenty Four, The Wire, and the original Law and Order wind up. Um, as all-time great. Well, I'm not going to uh, tip my hand, series. Jerry. I'm not going to tell you if those shows are part of the Regal Tumble or not, but uh, we, will, we will start to find out on Monday. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Listen, on Le'Veon Bell, I posted something on a Jet page, and I had 27 people that agreed with me, along with 26 comments. Not one of them disagreed. And I'm going to read it to you in 10 seconds. Okay. One of my many issues I have with Adam Gaze is how he misused Le'Veon Bell from day one. In his last year with the Steelers, he had 406 touches, 321 rushing, 
times and 85 receptions. Yesterday, Sunday, Bell had one reception for seven yards. Gaze's post-game excuse was that the Cardinals were using a safety to cover him, not the linebackers, and it was not the matchup he liked. I am not an offensive coordinator, but would like to ask, whatever the defense was doing to neutralize Bell, why then could Gaze not adjust, take advantage with his genius offensive ability, and counter with other plays? What a waste of money, a waste of time, a waste of signing a good player, and a wasteful coach that should be gone, and not to mention the thousands of dollars I've spent with my PSL. Thank you, Gordon. All right, Jerry, thanks for the call. Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of – this is one thing that I said. And, look, I got it wrong when Adam Gase was hired. I said at the time I didn't think it was the worst hire in the world. It's turned out to be the worst hire in the absolute world. But one thing I did say right from the jump is that he, uh, he gets into this frame of mind that if you get in his dog – it's very quick to get in his doghouse. And if you get in his doghouse, very, very difficult to get out. And I think that that has been the stumbling block with him and Le'Veon Bell. He clearly did not want Le'Veon Bell here. The Jets went out and signed Le'Veon Bell. And since that point, it's, it's never been good. It's always been bad. And it's just a question of how bad it's going to get before it eventually ends. And I think that after this year, I mean, one guy might outlast the other one, right? Uh, but it's not going to be by long. <laughs> I don't think, even if they get rid of Adam Gase, I don't think that Le'Veon Bell is a long-term uh, fixture on uh, the Jets team. And uh, if they were ever to fire Adam Gase in the season, I think that you would see more production. It would be hard to, to have more production. I, I don't know necessarily that that's what you want, even at this point. Poll question today, what's more depressing, Yankee season being over or the Jets and Giants seasons really just getting started, just getting underway? Uh, to me, obviously, it's uh, the Yankee season being over. Although, you know, the Rays win game two yesterday against the uh, the Astros 4-2, so they now lead that series two games to none. So really a must-win game three for Houston. It's weird, you know, the Astros have scored, in two games the Astros have scored three runs. It's almost like it's, for some reason, harder for them to score runs than it's been in the past. I, I, it's, it's really hard to pinpoint what the difference is. Strange. But if the Rays were to go on and sweep that series or win in five, for the Yankee fan, would that make you feel any better that, you know what, at least you took this team to five, you, you know, you went right down to the wire? I don't think it makes you feel any better, but I do think, like we were talking about the, the stages of uh, sports grief, I think it gets you to acceptance a little bit faster. Because for all the talk, and I know C.C. Sabathia was one of the people who uh, said on his podcast with uh, Ryan Rucco that the Yankees are still the better team, you can feel however you want. And the Yankees might be the more talented team, but in terms of who's the better team, you determine that by playing the games. And the Rays won. They won in the regular season. They won over the course of the regular season. They were the best team in the American League the whole year. And they beat you head-to-head in the regular season and the playoffs. So it's kind of hard. I know it's, it, it's not. They, they didn't blow you out. They didn't sweep you in three. It came right down to the wire. But at the end of the day, the better team's the better team. All right, let's go back to the phone, shall we? 1-800-919-ESPN. Uh, Danny's on Long Island. Danny, what's going on, my man? Good morning, Gordon. Uh, you know, the funny moment my son asked me at uh, the uh, last out of the Yankee game was uh, done. He said to me, who's in the biggest trouble? And he was referring to the Yankees as if someone was going to get in trouble for not winning. And my answer was Adam Gates. Because now the full <laughs> brunt, that's right. He was praying more than anyone that the Yankees were in that game because now the full brunt of the media – 
will be focused on his bulging eyes. And your know, last caller made some great points about Le'Veon Bell, but I'm a Steelers fan. And I know Le'Veon Bell's done nothing for the Jets, but when Le'Veon Bell broke the huddle with the Steelers, he had a Hall of Fame quarterback in front of him and a Hall of Fame wide receiver before he went mentally ill. And a great offensive line and a veteran coaching staff, and everything was perfect. And Le'Veon Bell believed it was all about him. And if the one thing you learn about football, it's the ultimate team sport. So Le'Veon Bell sitting home watching James Conner score touchdowns and Antonio Brown looking at Claypool score four touchdowns and he's playing with his marbles somewhere. It's not about any individual player in football. It's about the unit. It's about the team. It's about the organization. Everybody's interchangeable except the Hall of Fame quarterback. You either got one or you don't. And the Jets don't got one, which means that Le'Veon Bell can't run and the wide receivers can't catch. Nothing works. And that's just, it's that simple. We can't overanalyze these things. Le'Veon Bell was in trajectory to be a Hall of Fame running back, and he didn't get a single set more than he would have got from the Steelers, and his career is basically over. Yeah, he got less. I mean, he by sitting out that year, he, he, he lost money that he'll never get back. I mean, no, Dan, never, you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, I mean, he... We're going to have to buy a drink in Pittsburgh for the rest of his life, and now he's persona non grata. Yeah. Uh, well, look, I, I get it. You know, for running backs, it's very frustrating not getting your money. Uh, but he uh, he kind of blew up his uh, career and uh, went to the, I think now we can say, the, the worst spot he could have went to. Worst spot he could have went to. Omar is in Brooklyn. Quickly, Omar. Good good, good morning. How are you? I'm Sorry great. Go. Cool. Yes, I know you playoffs, did. Right? Uh, he's never been the championship in the last 20 years. One is uh, basically a stolen one. Secondly, you know, like, uh, for the last four years I've been saying, and you are trying to hurt what a great player Sanchez is. Now it has come to this that even Cashman doesn't want to play him when they could have switched him for him. So they don't believe in him no more, right? So I can say right now, right now, the things are trending towards uh, Judge is going, uh, heading towards becoming a Chris Davis rather than becoming a face of uh, uh, baseball. So he better start learning and getting a tweak out of it, otherwise they become a, a basically non-playoff performer. He hit a big home run because of the weight, all I right? Can't, I can't. Omar, I, can't, I don't know what's wrong with your phone today. I can't understand the thing Omar's saying. I'm sorry, Omar. I can't understand it. Let's go uh, quickly. Lewis is a whippany. Go, Lewis, quick. Hey, uh, real quick. Uh, the uh, backhand throw to home play is the most overrated playoff play for Derek Jeter in MLB you, history. You are such a hater. You are it's such a truth. hater, it's Lewis. I'm sorry, but truth. you say ridiculous things like that. The show is almost no. over anyway. But I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, it was the Yankees were down in the series. It was a one nothing game. That was the one. They might not have scored another run. They had no. They couldn't. They got shut out by uh, Hudson. I think in game two. That was a huge play. I know you hate the Yankees, but it doesn't mean you have to hate everything. That's why you can't you have the, the credibility. Whoop, right in the toilet. Right in the toilet. All right, that's going to do it for us for today. I mean, we're already out of time. I apologize, but uh, we'll be back tomorrow starting at 5. Vote of the poll question, and we'll see you tomorrow. 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.